Welcome to the Ordinary Youth Ministry Podcast, where we are cultivating conversations about our world that help us impart a joyful and enduring faith to your teenagers. Uh, Your hosts today, as always, are myself, Andrew Unger, uh, John Mark Smith, and Ellen Vosberg. And this week, we're going to be diving into conversations about age and the way in which age seasons us as youth ministers. Uh, we, We occasionally make jokes about us being old all the time, and we thought, you know, we often have a caricature of youth ministry that youth pastors are 20 year olds who are full of energy. And on this podcast, we're frequently looking to knock down that caricature. But we thought, okay, but what does it look like to grow, to grow in years and have seasoning added to your youth ministry, like a fine cast iron skillet? Um, that's that's what that, that's my about new today. thing. When people meet me, I'm going to say, "What do you do? I'm a seasoned cast iron skillet. That is that is me. That's what I do." I'll be honest, I we did not discuss that ahead of time, but the, the metaphor came to me and I, I'm running with it. I do it's live beautiful. very close to the Lodge factory. So, you know, I'll just say my <laughs> Okay, so uh, before we jump in, I want to know you guys, who's who's the oldest person you've had either volunteer or help out with youth ministry and what were they like? Uh, mm. John Mark, who's... What, what's the oldest person you can think of that you've had help out with youth ministry? Well, I, I, I'm going to go on the record and say I do not know their exact age. Never have asked okay. that question. Yep. But I, uh, I had say grandparent age is the oldest I've had where they, they clearly have children who are grown that have age young children. I don't, and I don't know if I ever had like grandchildren who are super like teenage level already. So I'm not quite that far. But I'm in... And those volunteers, and I'm thinking of one in particular who honestly has been one of the best volunteers I've ever had. Um, and it's been surprising. The story was um, someone, I was looking for volunteers one year for a retreat. I needed more people. And someone recommended this person. And I remember thinking, oh, there's no way they'll do it. They're, they're, there's no way. Um, and when I asked them, they said yes. And I was like, this is awesome. Um, and they came and did our retreat with us. And then the next year, I needed a permanent volunteer. And I was like, well, I'll just give it a shot again. And I asked them again and they said yes. And it's been like the biggest steal of my youth mm-hmm. ministry career because they are, um, they love students so well. They're actually, um, because their kids are older, they're more available and they actually have time to do some things that some of my other volunteers can't do. Mm-hmm. Um, and they just bring a lived experience that um, is hard to explain in like a succinct story but brings intangible they're they're just the best so grandparent age is the oldest i've had all right how about you ellen yeah i think the oldest volunteer i've worked alongside with um he, he wasn't quite grandparent aged at the time um but he he was definitely a retiree um i met him while um like he was auditing a class that I was taking in graduate school and we sat next to each other and we bonded over a love of a certain musician <laughs> um, <laughs> in the class. Um, and then, uh, yeah, he, through the course of time, he eventually ended up coming to my church. And when we were looking for volunteers one fall, I was like, mm, you know who I think is awesome, who I think mm-hmm. would be awesome? <laughs> this guy. And uh, so, so I was like, I'm going to go see what he thinks about this idea. And I remember the first time that we had a conversation about it, he was kind of like, what? Like the, like the idea would have never occurred to him. He thought it was like, he was very skeptical of, of of the, of the idea very much. Like, I don't know. Like, 
if the teenagers will will think that I'm cool or and so I was like well I think you're cool <laughs> so I don't see why they wouldn't I, I was much younger than I am at the time much closer to the age of the teenagers <laughs> so he eventually agreed to do it and I mean you know of course like the teenage boys in his small group loved him and and he 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 served for several years and it was awesome and um, like even I was pleasantly surprised because I was kind of going out on like, well, I just like this person, so maybe the youth will too. <laughs> um, and it really worked out. And so, not not only is that like, he's one of the best youth volunteers I've ever recruited personally. Um, I I really think he's just kind of a general like success story. <laughs> yeah. I think I once for uh, our confirmation classes, we would invite other people to to teach on topics. And there was um, a guy at, um, at one of the churches that we worked with who was a retired missionary. So his grandkids were in my youth group um, okay. and he taught on prayer. Um, and it was, you know, we had some of the teachers we had were like college professors and they were like super dynamic and excitable and whatnot. Um, this guy was not, he was not like super dynamic. And yet, um, when he taught on prayer, he had this like sweet Mr. Rogers esque familiarity. Like he was talking about prayer as someone who had prayed there and for decades and decades and decades. And so there was a way in which he taught that it wasn't, it wasn't the most thrilling content, but it was so like genuine and warm and welcoming. I remember it was a really, really, I don't know. I really, I really enjoyed it. Maybe that, maybe that's what we're going to discover. We love working with old people and who cares what teenagers think? They just have to deal with it. <laughs> no way. My teenagers <laughs> love this volunteer too. That is definitely not just yeah. a me thing. All right. That's good to know. Um, okay. So those are our volunteers, but part of what we want to talk about is not just the effectiveness of recruiting grandparent age or retirement age people into youth ministry, but what it looks like to do youth ministry as the sort of primary point person as you get older. Um, I distinctly remember when I was volunteering, not when I was volunteering, when I was interning, the youth pastor I interned with um, was in his early 30s, uh, was about to have his third child, um, and life was chaotic with lots of children. And I remember he made this comment to me and he said, you know, Andrew, this is why a lot of guys get out of youth ministry at this age. Um mm. And I remember it really, I remember it vividly because I'm now like seven years older than he was at that point. Um, <laughs> but, but that sense that like there was an age that you would reach where not just your effectiveness in ministry, but the requirements of family life, the sort of, there were things about life that suddenly made youth ministry and effective youth ministry more difficult or more difficult to do. Sure. Um, I, I think there's some truth in that with the like evenings and weekends that youth mm -hmm. ministry is, but I, I actually kind of want to push back and say, I'm not sure that's actually the main reason people get out of it. Mm -hmm. um, I, yeah. I, I, I want to say there are other reasons and I'm not going to say definitively what they are, but one that I think is there and I think it's worth discussing all that is, is that for better or worse. And I think it's worse and it shouldn't be this way. And it's not the way it's made ought to be. And, Nobody would ever say this out loud, but the reality is that in many, many contexts and many, many churches, even ones that are trying not to do this, youth ministry feels like the 
second chair or third chair or fourth chair or like yeah. low down the ring position. Yep. And so you get to this point where it starts to feel like no matter what people say out loud, that to move forward in ministry, to move forward in your quote unquote career, to progress, to, to kind of grow in authority and influence, you have to leave youth ministry. Yes. And I think that in my, my intuition is that that is a much bigger factor than, oh, youth ministry demands too many weekend nights um, yep. or is bad on my family. Because ministry in general is hard for family yeah. life. Yeah, that weekend so not, and I'm, evening thing isn't fixed by moving into other types of ministry positions. Right. So so I think that there's some truth in it, right? Like when you are at that stage of your life, looking for a change is unreasonable. And there is a way in which with youth, I think there are more weekend and evening things than most like associate or senior pastors do. I mean, I just got no. back from a, a full day trip from 630 in the morning till 10 p.m. to go to Holiday World, the local amusement and water park a couple hours away. And, um, you know, I don't unless you're doing like a big church wide retreat, I think most associates and senior pastors don't do that. Right. Like they're not yeah. gone that way. So there's truth there. I don't, I don't want to say he was totally wrong. I just not sure I'm convinced it's the really the main reason. Yeah. There's also, I mean, associated with that is the pay question that when you have a growing family, um, especially if you're a one income family, the idea right. that that there is often a ceiling to youth ministry salaries that mm-hmm. is prohibitive to a growing family. Right. Um that's frequently well, the case. One, well, the question, one of the questions here we want to talk about is should should we be in youth ministry for life? Is that what's the, on top, around that topic? But I think even before we we can talk about what we should be doing in our goal. But I think what we have to start with acknowledging is most churches are not set up to want that or enable it. Yep. Right. You know, and that's where Mark DeVries' book I think is is really helpful, but also sobering about just the realities of those pragmatic components. Yeah, it seems like the the vocational move for youth ministry as you get older in order to gain influence is either to find yourself at increasingly larger churches that then have like youth ministry staff so that you might have like the person in charge of youth ministries and they have multiple youth pastors underneath them. And so the top person's job is not necessarily to be at all the evenings and weekend things. It's for them to sort of from 30,000 feet plan. So there's that kind of stuff and that includes pay and other, mm-hmm. other increases that way. Or you become, uh, I was going to say an influencer, but that has social media implications now. You, you become a speaker. You become a speaker, a writer. Right. Um, yeah. you, you write a book, you start a podcast, you know, these sorts of things that people do. <laughs> who, who does podcasts? What are you I've talking never about? met anybody who wrote a I've book and does a podcast. Um, you, <laughs> you know, right? Like you gain influence that way. And that's a way to potentially... Um, you know, be able to to grow in your influence or or grow in giving your your wisdom to others or things like that. But that's that's increasingly out of the local church, and that's more into being a pastor to pastors mm-hmm. or being someone who who teaches others. Right. Um, I'm curious: Have you guys known effective youth ministers at in their? I was going to say 30s, 40s. Ho- hopefully, we know effective youth ministers in their 30s. Yikes. Um, um, have you known effective youth ministers in their forties, fifties, sixties? Have you met people in those positions? Um, do you have any models of that? I've met a few. Um, not, I haven't even, I, I mean, I'm thinking, I just mean, I've met a few people of that age who are in youth ministry. 
Like that's what I mean. Right. Um, there's very few, very few. Um, and the ones that I do know are either at a large churches mm-hmm. or B they're it, you can see it's just a part of what they do in addition to a lot of other things. Right. Where it's like a right. smaller church context, but it's like, Oh, I'm the associate and I have youth as a part of that. Yeah. Um, those are the only examples I can think of. There's just not a lot um, out there. Yeah, yeah, actually, I've I felt like for my career, it's been a gift. I've never felt like I've been seen as less than as the youth pastor because um, for over 10 years now, I've been a priest and I've been preaching and celebrating the Eucharist. Like there's an element that um, I've been given an amount of like whole church um ministry opportunities that have meant that I, I haven't, right. I haven't felt that draw to like, I need to graduate out of youth ministry, quote unquote, so I can get respect. And so I can have a greater impact. I've been, I've been given opportunities at both the churches I've served at to preach and teach and be, right. be a, a pastor of the whole church as well. That stuff makes a big difference. When I was ordained to the diaconate two years ago, there was an immediate feeling difference in how people interact mm-hmm. with me. Yep. Um, and I, and I, I'm ex- anticipating Lord willing, a ordination of the priesthood next month. And I'm wondering, is it going to be the same kind of thing where now it's like, Oh, now he's a priest. Like, I, I don't think I understand it. And I also, it makes me sad a little bit at the same yeah. time. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, what were you going to say, Ellen? I feel like I cut you off. Oh, I was just going to say, I, I feel like I haven't known very many like youth pastors in the like older age ranges. Um, But like the ones that I can think of, I met when I was probably in my early twenties. And so I actually, they could have been in their forties and I would have, (laughs) (laughs) my perception was that they were older, but uh, But maybe not now looking at, looking back at that thought situated in my early thirties. I'm like, "Mm, they were Uh maybe in their late thirties and early (laughs) forties. So yeah, super old youth pastors, you knew. So so old. old. <laughs> well, it, it is interesting being. I turned forty this fall, Ooh. Um, and I'm very aware of that fact. And it, it is interesting because <laughs> in youth ministry, I get. I feel like it's like a it's like a pendulum that swings. Where sometimes my students will be like, "I am so old," and even my youth volunteers will make fun of how old I am. And then other days, like, "You're not old at all." Like, and I'm just like, "Yeah." <laughs> It's like a yo-yo swinging me back and forth pendulum. I'm just like, what? It means you're solidly middle-aged, right? (laughs) Yeah. Yes, I guess it does. I can say as I've gotten older, there's all kinds of things that I've gotten better at as I've gotten older. And I would hope that um, they can, I continue to get better at as I get older. Mm -hmm. Like there's a level of, of stability and confidence that comes with having experience. So you're not a, fresh in ministry that you kind of feel like um, if something goes really poorly, it doesn't shake you. If you deliver a terrible lesson, you're like, well, that's just add that to the list and we'll move on and take the L and, and come back next week. Um, there's even the, the confidence that comes with having lots of stories of students who have gone through different stages. Like I've had, I've had enough youth <laughs> who have come in in their like middle school years and been like vocally and obviously uninterested in what I am doing or in youth ministry in general, because their parents make them. Um, And like 
sometimes subtly, sometimes directly. And like, I, I still remember one, one time there was a student, I was doing a retreat. I used to do these, what I called sex and dating retreats. So it was like a Friday night and a Saturday. And we would just talk about all the, all those uncomfortable topics. And we'd sort of get it all done in one weekend. And I remember there's a, a middle school girl who came up and she just walked up to me and said, my parents are making me be here. I'm missing a softball game because of this. Like just no nonsense direct. Um, and I was like, glad to have you here. Um, That's thank awesome. you for your honesty. Amazing. And I can, I can say by the time she graduated, like we had an excellent relationship and she was coming to youth group of her own volition <laughs> and, and, you know, like eagerly participating. So I've been through enough of those that when I get a student who's, who's like, you know, clearly not interested or not picking it up, I can feel like, well, that's okay. I, I can conceive of a situation in which that student warms up to me or that student comes and eventually catches on to what we're doing. Like, mm -hmm. you know what I mean? Once you have enough stories like that, you just have more experience and you're not shaken as easily. And I think that's a real gift that as you get older, you just grow in those, in those stories and right. those opportunities and in different models, right. different narratives. Yeah, and I, that I'm glad you mentioned models because as we were discussing this conversation today, the first thing I said, wanted to bring up was just that even the question about age and youth ministry has to be backed up and asked, well, what do we mean by youth ministry? Mm. Right? Because I think when we ask that question, for some of us, we might be bringing presumptions about what youth mm. ministry is to the table. And if we don't analyze that and kind of say, oh, what, well, what do I mean about youth ministry? We might come with a different answer because if what we mean is youth ministry is the people, youth ministry is the program that keeps our kids busy and entertains them and gives them these events and like, and then you kind of frame it around the program, then there's a different argument you could make for why age and young age is really important. Because if what you care about is kids having fun and going on these trips, like this holiday world trip yesterday, man, I was tired. I'm, I'm getting older. Like... I was like, oh, okay, I'm tired. Uh, even though it was fun and I enjoyed it, right? Um, and I asked one of our um, older folks in our church to join us as a chaperone. And she just said, yeah, that's too long of a day for me. I can't do it, right? Mm -hmm. When you age, if so if that's what we mean by youth ministry, is the people who do that stuff. Then age comes in a different context. If, if youth ministry is instead the 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 work of the church to intentionally love and invest in youth and their maturing in Christ and care for them and ensuring they're cared for in the right ways. And it, it's a different frame. Then age shifts from being the, Oh, I'm too tired to go on this trip. And my back is too sore to sleep on the ground at the, at the campsite to, Oh, you bring this wisdom that you were just mentioning, mm -hmm. right? Andrew, and the experience that actually makes you better at youth ministry. So I, I do think it's worth saying, what do we, you know, and we've talked about that before here, so I don't think we need to rehash it now, but just acknowledge that that question precedes this one of like, well, what do we mean yeah. when we say youth ministry? Yeah. As you talk about that, I started to think like, okay, so I'm obviously a huge advocate for paying youth pastors, right? I mean, we went over that in our paid and unpaid episodes. Go back and listen to those episodes to hear more. Um, but the there are lots of models in which... Uh, I can imagine if you are a youth pastor who no longer can hack a full day at at uh, Wally World or whatever. What was, what was the amusement park called again? We got a holiday world, but I like Holly Wally World. World. All right. Um, I think Cedar Wally Point. World is Walmart. So and I think I think it is. That's not a fun day. Um, 
but like you can he's like you can just recruit some young people to take care of that right, right. like you can just find the volunteers i mean maybe your church doesn't have them but the idea is say, can you <laughs> you recruit volunteers who do have that kind of energy you recruit maybe a couple of parents do that trip um right like there are creative solutions you can take to to inject right. that kind of right. youthful energy into those gatherings because there there really is value in gathering a bunch of teenagers yeah. together to have fun like that is an sure. that is an unqualified good that youth ministries can provide and yet like sometimes people seem so amazed when they have like a like when I was in my 20s like oh they're we're so lucky to have you because you know you bring all this enthusiasm and I kind of feel like well, the thing you should want for the person guiding and directing your youth ministry is someone who can who can impart a joyful and enduring faith. Someone who can think long-term for, right. for youth and think, how do I put the blocks and the pieces in right. place now right. to help disciple them for the long-term? Right. And I can find someone to be energetic. Like That's right. a much easier building block mm -hmm. than mm -hmm. mature discipleship. It's a much harder thing to find and, right. and curate. Oh, for sure. Yeah, easily. Uh, you know, and, and that's the thing is you want to, you know, uh, not to use business speak, but you want to hire the things that only the the hired person can do. Yeah. yeah. Right. Like you want to be like, hey, what are the things that we really want to pay someone for? Because if, if someone's not paid to do this, no one's going to do it. And and so often I think that presumption about youth. Ministry, I was I worked for a parachurch youth ministry for a while, and it was an interesting scenario where I came in. And I was coming in two people after this beloved youth leader, beloved. Mm -hmm. And everybody talked about him still, like to the point, like, and I met him. He's a great guy. But it was one of those things like, we're still talking about this, you know, <laughs> situation. And it was, and I was coming in, there was a guy um, who'd been right after him. And then there was me. And it was just so interesting because they, they kept trying to shape me and the guy who was before me into and force us to do ministry the way the guy before us had done mm. because he was so loved he was the young energetic like super creative su like just the, the stereotypical and he was i'm not saying that in a bad way he was great but like that was just his personality and they could not think differently about youth ministry so they just kept trying to force everyone who came after him to be the same and um you know there's a lot of other things about that job that didn't work out great but one of the things I was sad about was that their imagination was so limited. Like youth ministry has to be this very narrow band. This is what you do. Um, and uh, yeah, it, it didn't work well. The, the ministry slowly died out there because there was a constant desire to force the staff to be a certain way. Yeah. I wonder how much of this, I like that word imagination because I feel like, um, I mean, like I said at the outset, we're constantly on this podcast. I feel like we're trying to deconstruct and blow up that like caricature of youth ministry, not because all of its elements are bad necessarily, but because it's too narrow a picture of what youth ministry looks like. Um, and as I've um, recently, I've been I've been appointed to be the, the canon for next gen ministries for our diocese, which means. Um, I'm apparently responsible for equipping and empowering youth ministry to happen all over the place in all kinds of churches. And as I call and talk to other pastors and hear about what's going on in their churches, one thing that sticks out to me is just how incredibly different the, the churches are. Um, mm -hmm. And as, as churches are increasingly, I think, 
smaller and smaller. I think that the stats bear out that we're moving into an era where there will be where churches are church plants, where a lot of clergy are going to have to be bivocational, where there's a little bit more um, creativity required for ministry in general. And I hear all these churches and a lot of them are doing such interesting, creative things that I could have never thought to like hand over to them as the expert, but they're the ones who are doing interesting things are ones who are doing things very unique to their, to their setting and unique to the people in their building. And I feel like, again, while I'm an advocate for dedicated people in charge and in charge of casting vision for discipling teenagers, um, what that looks like and who does that, I think creativity and imagination can do all kinds of great stuff. Um, mm-hmm. That'll help all kinds of people be involved. I hope to be involved in youth ministry all my life. I don't know if I will be in the role of of youth pastor all my life. Um, right. And yet I know, well, I know rectors or head pastors who are also in charge of youth ministry at their churches because that's what they love to do. And they're like, well... I'm going to be in charge of this. Someone else can do the men's ministry and the women's ministry and the small groups because right. I want to do youth ministry. Which, which I love, just the fact that there's mm-hmm. youth pastors out there that do that. And I think that's where the, the model changes, right? Like if we think youth ministry is about a program or and about the separation of youth into separate things, mm-hmm. then the youth pastors are different. But if the youth pastor's job is to facilitate the church's care for youth, right? Like if the, yep. if the youth pastor's job is to say, hey, I'm pastoring youth directly. Yes, that's part of my job. But part of my job is also to encourage and equip the entire church to love and care for youth. That part of it should never go away from a pastor. Like that part, right. 100%, every pastor is always in youth ministry. And if you're not doing that, then, you know, there's something missing in your ministry. Mm-hmm. So uh, I think we like to talk in, in, in this kind of language, right? Like how things ought to be and, and, and it, it all paints really well, but I think sometimes there's the on the ground realities of, um, of doing a full day at, at Wally world and you're tired at, afterwards, or, um, I'm going to keep calling it Wally world. I, I, that, that link Lean is made in, in my bro. head and Lean it's done in. now. <laughs> um, but there are the lived realities of, um, of the energy often required to to work with groups of teenagers. I mean, you see it with high school teachers, right? Like even even older high school teachers, um, I think struggle with an energy level. Like I think about the older high school teachers I had who were close to retirement. Um, they were still pretty energetic. They were still pretty dynamic because they had to captivate the attention of teenagers for an hour at a time and teach us English. Um, mm-hmm. So there is something about that about that like energy in particular that i think yes students and youth love sitting down with someone who is the age of their grandparents who will listen to them but if if we're honest we're not making attractional youth ministries we're not trying to do just games and cash prizes but there's a reason why those draw people in and there's a reason why we want to often have high energy stuff with youth. So what do you think it looks like as you get older to try and either compensate for or how to address that that energy problem, um, the energy crisis of, well, of youth ministry in older years? I'd love to hear from Ellen because I feel like I've been talking too much. <laughs> that's my, that's my low-key way of putting Ellen on the spot. 
Yeah. I don't know, because I, I hear what you're saying, but then, like, I don't know. When I think about what actually appeals in, uh, like, ministry, I mean, you brought in the, like, education aspect, so I'm sort of distracted by thinking about my teachers, but... <laughs> Um, when I think about what actually works, what's kind of like timeless and true everywhere in all ministries and all places is, uh, like the ability to develop like close relationships. Like I actually think friendship in youth ministry is far more important than whatever this ephemeral like energy you're talking about is because i think um like enthusiasm is cultivated when you love something right and that doesn't um or something or someone and that isn't based on age it's not like you reach a certain age and suddenly you don't love anything (laughs) um or have passion for things right um like that uh, uh, yeah so i i actually think that um you know being yourself (laughs) right it's actually far more important in youth ministry because that's how you cultivate authentic relationships right intergenerationally between people that you are the same Mm -hmm. age as in your 20s and your 30s and your 40s and beyond that's always how it works so i actually think like that kind of approach is more important than being able to like summon up the energy to go to Six Flags. Yeah. And Ellen is definitely hitting on the philosophy of youth ministry underlying question there as well. I would just say, though, it's not actually different. That would be my answer. Mm. Because I don't feel like I'm the person who loves to get up and lead a really energetic game. Yeah, I've never been that person. Like, when I was 22, I was not that person. I... So I can either walk away and say, oh, that means I'm not very good at being youth ministry because I was 22 and didn't love doing energetic games. Or it could mean, oh, I'm just not that person. And there's been different points in my ministry where I've had partners in ministry who were good at that. And it was always great because that does help a lot. It's, that's to Andrew's point, right? Like if you're going to play, the way I've come to say it now with my volunteers is I won't play a game that I am not genuinely interested in because I can't fake hmm. interest. And in some ways, that's the gift, right? Of like, I can't fake it. So we're going to do things that I can be authentically interested in or that I can find a volunteer who's authentically interested in. Mm -hmm. So when you find those... And what's key there is authenticity. (laughs) Right. Um, But like, that's something I've always had to work on. I've always had to work to try and find people that can help do that because I've never been good at it. Um, And so if you're a 70-year-old youth pastor who's not enthusiastic about that, but you know you're not, and you're just willing to let other people help. You know, it's, it is, it, youth ministry is not a, no, a solo game. It is a right. orchestra working together. Mm-hmm. Well, and I think you're like the, the personality of your group also dictates some of those things too. Oh. Like, I, you know, not everybody has students who want to do the, like the wild and crazy right. games. I mean, teenagers are not just teenagers. Teenagers are, um, like they have as many varied personalities as adults do. Um, no, Ellen, they're think... all the same. <laughs> they all want to eat eat gross food and throw dodgeballs at each other. 
I remember one time when I was a youth, I was called forward in one of those like one of those youth group games that was like, we're going to call forward two volunteers and we're just going to use them as tributes to to play the game in front of everybody. And uh, I was handed a banana and like some pantyhose and a cup. Oh, no. And it was like, you need to somehow get the banana chewed up like into the cup. And I remember like it didn't compute But you were in my wearing head. the pantyhose over your head, right? I don't think so. I, I don't know. I remember that clearly the game you were supposed to smash it through like using your face to smash it through the pantyhose, but I didn't grasp this. So I like chewed it up and spit in the pantyhose and was like, I don't know what to do now. And I clearly lost the game, but I didn't get banana <laughs> smashed up all over my face. So maybe I actually won the game. I think that's what we're learning but today. But see, you are a boring teenager. <laughs> maybe, maybe that's, you know what? No, Low I like energy, boring. teenager. <laughs> I like lots of fun, crazy games. I hated messy games. Messy games mm. was not my thing. I have made a, no messy game youth group policy that's basically other than one fateful messy games day that i conceded to give my last youth group there have been no messy game days in youth group i just hate them entirely um and maybe this touches on part of growing older in youth ministry is recognizing your own gifts and maybe recognizing how some of those things change um like i i am a high energy person i think early in youth ministry i was able to sort of get away with um, a lot of things by just bringing a lot of hype into the room and having lots of energy. Um, and I still, I'm still a high energy person, but not the, not quite as much as I used to be. Um, mm -hmm. And so part of growing older is maybe accepting my own changes and adapting not just to the youth in front of me, but in the own, the changes I have in my life and, and how my gifts are changing in time you do have kind of one of those like pied piper ministry personalities i feel like you cultivate a following for some hey, reason I, <laughs> i'm not I, sure I, obviously i'm skeptical of it wow hey Andrew, when are you there. when are you stealing all the children from your families and <laughs> running making all with off, them when is that happening off to the mountain we go <laughs> was the rat problem in your church pretty big how did this deal come to be I'm just saying, Andrew, you got to be careful with that charismatic ministry personality. <laughs> what can I say? Everyone just wants to rally around me. Um, so here's a question that that this conversation is prompting in me. What do we What do we do about the cool factor? Because I like I feel like that's often the the caricature, oh, right? Yeah. That in order to be a, like to work with the youth at all, to do youth ministry, to interact with the teenagers in your church, you got to be cool. Well, that's clearly not true because I've been in youth ministry for a long time and I am very uncool. So Same. We can just we can just blow that myth right out of the water. No, but that's what you were saying a minute ago, Ellen. It's like students want authenticity. Like yep. to show up and know that they're known and loved. And this is where I do like Growing Young by um, Fuller Youth mm -hmm. Institute where they talk about like to be in a church where people know your name and and you know, the switching that ratio from five to one to one to five or whichever backwards um, students want to be known. And I, I, I have one student whom I love to death and um, comes because she is, she is, is very clearly she comes because she is a place where she's known her family. They're not yeah. even attending the church anymore, but she is mm. known and that's why she comes. And, um, and it's not because we do anything particularly great. I think our youth group does a lot of things well, but like, that's not why she's coming. She's just known. Um, so I think that's what students want. People of this, because I, I think... feel like that's sometimes the hardest, like the hardest thing to combat. Well, let me ask the question: 
is it our job to convince people they need that or is it our job to provide it and be available to them? I think Wait, Ellen, you, you might be, Ellen's talking about how do you convince the other adults at the church oh, that, yes. that conducting an uncool youth ministry is okay. Um, yeah. I think as an example, if I were to think back again, of all the high school teachers that we used to think were like the coolest teachers, cool in that context did not mean, um, did not apply to fashion. It did not apply to um, like interest in music. Like it didn't actually mean cool. What it meant is no. that that's a teacher who is, um, who I can talk to, who I feel like is willing to listen, who I feel like takes the extra initiative. Um, not Someone to be who's rel- present to you in your life. Yeah. But who also likes what they're doing. Like not, a, they have to, they had to be a teacher who liked what they were doing. So yep. it was like, the genuine love for the subject with a genuine care for you. And mm. that's the perfect analogy. If you genuinely love Jesus and genuinely are willing to love students, that those are the only two requirements for youth ministry. Amen. Yep. yep. No matter what, how old you are. No matter Regardless how old of age. All right. So we, we started off talking about the caricature of youth ministry that we're trying to knock down. So to close, I want to talk about a sort of humorous other caricature. What is, if you had to paint the picture of the perfect geriatric youth minister? Um, I'll let I'll let you and our audience decide what age geriatric means. Uh, but but if you're thinking of like this the is what they thing. look like, paint, Andrew, paint me that the picture. The first thing I could thought of immediately was every time a student comes to talk to them. As they listen, they're like, they just pull like a sucker or a candy out of their pocket. Like, <laughs> yes, give it to them like a the- peppermint or one of those weird yes. butterscotch things. The Werther's original. Yeah. Look, youth would love that. There is no, if, if I, I would love, if I walked up to talk to someone and they were like, here, have this. I'd be like, thank you. Please thank give you. me candy. Like, like at first they would make fun of it. It was weird. But if it kept happening with combined with authentic love, then it would become a thing they loved. Yeah. Yes. They would love it. I feel like they would have um, like strange old person idiosyncratic quirks, quirks that they were aware of but did not care about. Like oh. they always needed to sit down with a blanket mm. or something. And like when you talk to them, you just know like that they're going to they're gonna make you sit down and they're going to put a blanket on their lap because they're cold and they do not care that you are not comfortable there. Right. Like a certain amount, not like really bad things, but like weird quirks that like they are old enough to not be insecure about and are now forcing you to deal with it. I feel like that would be well, perfect. Like that you always have to sit on their right side. Yeah. Cause they're bad ears on their left side. They're yes. Bad, yeah. Well, I think that the phrase that. back in my day would become very common and yeah. it would be followed by an anecdote that everyone kind of understood, but really didn't understand the specifics of why that story was relevant. <laughs> I feel like they would have a, a constant like inquisitiveness about youth culture. And as things were explained, they'd be like, I don't understand any of that, but good for you. Like delighted at youth being youth and clearly also not being of that, of that persuasion, like not liking any of their music, thinking that all their styles are ridiculous, but like highly affirming youth allowed to be youth. Yes. And flowing out of that, I think they would be this like amazing vanguard for youth that felt guilted or shamed by middle generations hmm. and because they're older and don't care they just be like honey don't listen to them they don't know what they're talking about. yes right 
it would be that classic grandparent telling the parent, like, you were just like that at your age. Let the let the boy go out driving at night or something like that, right? Like they're boys driving at night, that edgy activity. <laughs> I was trying to think of something that's appropriate for the podcast, but also I don't know. <laughs> let them go to the big game. I don't know. Andrew, how old are you? <laughs> what a question. They're going to go to one of those parties where they they play card games. (laughs) Okay, so I was going to say, like, let them make out under the bleachers. You know you did it when you were a teenager. But, like, I don't know if that's actually appropriate to say on our podcast. But now that you've made fun of me, now I have to say it. Look what you made me do. Oh, classic. It's Alan's fault. Okay, Taylor. (laughs) (laughs) Any other pictures of geriatric youth bastards? (laughs) I like this game. Can I hire this youth pastor right now? Right. Um, I don't know. If we could find this person, I'd be tempted to just say, come take my job. Like, Yeah. Like if they were to apply for my job, I'd be like, fair enough. I will stand out of your way. You go for it. Well, I think we've sufficiently... Uh, cover this topic thanks everyone for joining us today on the ordinary youth ministry podcast uh, you can find us online at ordinaryyouthministry.com. you can find us on social medias with uh at ordinary cast uh, you can contact us directly with any questions comments ideas or um resumes at ordinaryyouthministry at gmail.com uh, we, we just hope this conversation is going to help you impart a joyful and enduring faith to your teenagers And we look forward to hearing from you and you hearing from us next time.